The Bible's teachings on forgiveness can be some of the most difficult for us to put into practice. Perhaps that's why so much of the Old Testament is devoted to telling us about God's merciful, gracious, forgiving character. Maybe that's why Jesus himself devoted so much time teaching about forgiveness through his public ministry, why the gospel accounts captured such powerful and compelling personal examples of Jesus living out those teachings himself. And by the time the focus in the New Testament shifts to the letters, the apostles of Jesus giving very practical instruction for how we as regular people can live out our faith in Jesus day by day, no wonder forgiveness comes up again and again and again throughout those teachings too. And in teachings, like we read in the New Testament letter to the Romans in chapter 12, we find amidst the very practical, powerful instruction that the apostles give there, that as we try to follow these steps, as we try to keep what Jesus shows us, what Jesus commands us about forgiveness, our motivation is so critical. In Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 9, Paul writes, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with Beautiful words, right? Powerful words, especially when put into practice. Yet, in order for that power to be experienced, in order for these commands, these imperatives to be kept, our motivations have to be right. You see, the hard things that Paul challenges us to live out here as followers of Jesus are truly only possible to be able to bless people who curse you, to be able to do good for people that have actively harmed you, that want to wrong you, that is only going to be possible 
when our motivation is right. And what should be our motivation as followers of Jesus? Love. Self-sacrificing, self-giving, in the Greek, agape, love. Love that puts the needs of someone else before our own. Love that wants good for other people. Not because they've done good for us or been kind to us, but because they're people. Created in the image and likeness of God, however much their sin, however much their sin against us might mar and corrupt that. We still love them because God loves them. We might not come from the same backgrounds. We might not have the same worldview. Yet we are able to love them because we know Jesus loves them so much that he died on the cross for them. And the only way that we as followers of Jesus, making our way through the sinful world with all of the hurts that we go through, is if we learn to be motivated by that same love that motivated him. That love that carried him through those long days and sleepless nights. That love that brought him through his crucifixion and out of that grave on Sunday morning when he rose. If you've repented of your sins, if you've been buried with Christ in baptism, you've participated in that. And now his spirit's been given to you as a gift to be a source of that love. To change how you think, to change how you see people, to change what you do as you live life each day as a follower of Jesus. So that even when you're called to do something hard, when you're called to release something that part of you might even want to hold on to because you're still so angry about it, you've still been so hurt by it. When you're called to care about the needs of people that you know don't care about you. When you're called to do good for people that you know will never pay you back. We do so motivated by that love that Christ showed to us, that we know that Christ has for them. We're motivated recognizing that whatever we do, we do in service to the Lord. I don't forgive someone simply because they've asked for forgiveness, because sometimes they don't. I don't forgive somebody because what they did didn't hurt or doesn't really matter, because it does, very much so. And I might suffer the after effects of something that they said or did long after the event. I forgive because that's what my Lord has commanded me to do. I forgive because that's what my Lord himself did. And I want to serve the Lord. Even though it requires struggle on my part even though it's going to require a great deal of prayer, a great deal of practice, even though a lot of things about how I think and speak and act on a day-to-day -day basis will constantly need to be changing, need to be growing to become more like Jesus, I am willing to do that because I recognize that all of those efforts are being given in service to the Lord. And knowing Jesus, knowing all that he's done for me and all of us, he deserves that kind of service. There are things that we as followers of Jesus are called to do that are hard to put into practice. Forgiveness being very near the top of that list. But when we allow Jesus to transform our motivations to be his kind of love, when we view all of these hard things we take on as being in service to him, then transformation 
in our lives and in our relationships all around is possible.